Hello, today we're here with Julie Shapiro from Aubrey's Advocate. Thanks for joining us. Um, first of all, I want to say, uh, talk about Aubrey's Advocate's mission statement, which is to support families in the aftermath of a perinatal or infant loss by advocating for their basic needs in a time of immeasurable grief while simultaneously destigmatizing the topic of perinatal and infant loss through provider education and peer support. So welcome, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And so this is an amazing uh, organization that you've pulled together, and we would love to hear your story about why and how you started it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one, just thank you so much for providing this space for myself to share my story about my daughter and also for helping us kind of battle the stigma that is perinatal loss. Because unfortunately, um, there are 21,000 full-term stillbirths each year, which is a staggering number. Very. However, when it happened to me, I felt like I was completely alone and the only person who understood this type of pain. Um, and I needed to talk, and that is what Aubrey's Advocate was really built out of. So um, my name is Julie Shapiro, uh, born and raised in Abington. I have always been an active member of the community. My mom was actually a nurse at Abington Hospital for 40 years. She just retired. And I always knew that wherever life took me, whenever I was ready to deliver my children and plant my roots, Abington would be where it was. So in 2020, my husband and I were ecstatic to find out that we were pregnant with our first child. Um, we found out in February and our due date was set for October 5th. So 2020 started out strong. And then all of a sudden here's COVID and the pandemic and the entire world shut down. And we truly took cover. We were like, we want nothing to happen to this baby. We followed all of the rules. We did everything that we were supposed to. And I had a very typical, healthy, normal pregnancy as far as everybody was concerned. Looking back, I do wonder if because it was COVID times, um, if the protocol around monitoring pregnant women was a little bit different because I did not feel like I was at the doctors as much as I wish I was. However, I have now learned that that really is just the norm and really further reason for moms to be encouraged to really advocate for their needs and uh, attention from providers as they need. Right. So we found out in August that my baby, which at the time we did not know if I was having a boy or a girl, was breech. And I tried all the Chinese medicine tactics, tried acupuncture, tried the chiropractor, tried everything in our power to get the baby to turn to head down position, which did not happen. So we decided that we would go ahead with a scheduled C-section, which was scheduled for October 5th, 2020. Okay. On September 25th, I went to the doctor's office just for a basic checkup. 
I was told that it looked like I was starting to dilate. Baby looked great. That was a Friday. I was going to come back in on that Tuesday. They were going to check if I had further dilated. And if so, we were going to move my C-section date up because the baby was still breached and there was no need for me to experience labor if that, you know, we already knew what the ending was going to be. So we thought, so leave the doctor's office that Friday. We are so excited. My husband and I were like, these are our last few days. It's just the two of us. Um, we kind of had a little lull in COVID, if you will. So we went out to the mall and we just really spent time finishing up the nursery details and we're all ready to go. I never once felt anything was wrong. I never felt what I thought was a decrease in movements, an increase in movements. Um, none, none of the signs that would have triggered me to be like, this is off. I need to go to the hospital right now. Um, so Tuesday, September 29th, we packed the car. My doctor's appointment was at 9.15. We had our pillows in the car. We had everything. We pull into the parking lot. Um, because it was COVID, I had to go in all by myself to the doctors. Um, my husband had to sit in the car. I go in. I go to the back room. I lay down on the table. I'm talking to the ultrasound tech. And all of a sudden, it was just written on her face what had happened. Some that something was wrong, that something was wrong. So she quickly tells me, she's like, I will be right back. I'm like, okay. I call my my husband in the parking lot. I'm like, you have to get in here. Something's something's weird, something's wrong. I don't know what it is. Please come in here. Um, my husband walks in the door around the same time that the doctor entered the ultrasound suite and we all heard at the same time the side the loudest silence that you can ever experience and we learned at that time that our baby no longer had a heartbeat and they had no idea what had happened what how this happened why this happened nothing and we were told I'm sorry sometimes these things just happen huh. you can head over to the hospital whenever you're ready and they will deliver your baby. I have never felt so alone in my entire life in that moment. I felt like, oh, this just happened. Your baby's no longer a priority. You're no longer a priority. This is not an emergency. Just go to the hospital whenever and they'll tell you the next steps. And I say in that moment, you know, that was the before and after of my life before Aubrey and my life after Aubrey. That's oh. just heartbreaking. So we get it together. We go to the drive right to the hospital. We check in through labor and delivery. We learn there that our baby was a girl. So we had chosen the name Aubrey. And I had still, she was still breached. So it was still, I needed to still have a C-section. Unfortunately, I had actually eaten breakfast that morning. And so because of that, I arrived at the hospital at 10 a.m. I wasn't able to have the C-section and to deliver her until six o'clock that evening. Oh, gosh. And that day, you know, looking back, I don't even, it was an outer body experience, just sitting in the hospital, 
Nobody really knew what to do, how to talk to me. Yeah. Everybody was doing what they could, of course. But what do you do in these situations? There's not a right thing to say. There's so many questions. We were so blessed with the fact that the hospital staff who was there was incredibly comforting and really compassionate and really empathetic and just made it known to us, if you want us in here, we're here. If you want to be alone, we will leave you alone. Like, we are so sorry that this is happening and we are just heartbroken for you. And that was really as much as many of them could give us. Um, so at 6.08 p.m., my daughter was born. She was only four pounds, 12 ounces. She was 38 weeks and four days. When she was delivered, she was actually laying transverse across my belly. And she had the um, cord wrapped around her neck multiple times. Based on how she looked when she was born, um, the doctors had determined that it likely happened sometime within the 24 hours prior, which also weighed incredibly heavy on me, but they promised me that there was truly nothing that I could have done that would have prevented this. Right. It was a completely freak occurrence. Um, because of her positioning and the cord, how it was wrapped around her neck, it was incredibly tight and tangled. And the only way that they would have been able to save her is if I had actually been on the OR table when she turned into that position because of how tight the cord was and because of the potential for brain damage and blocking of oxygen. Um, learning those things, did help a little bit, made me realize like, okay, this really was not my fault. And also I think helped to springboard me in my path of healing. Wow. Um, she was perfect. Dark hair, long fingers, because she had only passed away uh, a little bit prior to her delivery. She was a perfect baby girl who just looked like she was sleeping. So forever etched in my brain is the photo of my husband holding her as the nurses cleaned her off and gave them her to him and him walking her over to me. And that was when we said hello and goodbye. Um, we went back to our room afterwards, you know, life is just, like I said, you're really watching everything from like a 3D image. You're like, how is this me? How did this happen? I didn't, want to talk to anybody. I wasn't ready to hear anybody tell me that they were sorry because what did that mean? Nobody understood. So we left the hospital. Um, we decided to bury Aubrey. We had a beautiful burial for her uh, six days later and you know, after all of that, it's like about three weeks after this. And we're like, wow, this is our real life. Like, I remember laying in bed being like, oh my God, like the loneliness that I am feeling is suffocating. Um, I'm sorry. I'm um, so crazy. I mean, some 
you know. Don't be sorry at all. I I I wasn't sure if I could start talking. <laughs> I'm also having difficulty here. I can only imagine. And this is just proof how, you know, four years later, my healing journey continues and so many days, so many more days are good days. But when I sit and really think about it, the pain is still very much there. And the void of losing my child is forever etched in my heart and was such a big part of me. So I always say after, you know, we buried Aubrey and about a month later, like then it just dawned on me and I was like, the only way that I am going to be able to live in a world that this happened to me is by finding other people who understand. Right. Um, I tried a number of different support groups. I didn't really find anything that felt like it was the right fit for me at the time. Um, and thankful for social media, I was able to find a few grief moms in the on the East Coast, none local, that I just would follow their accounts would see their story. And it really did bring me hope and peace knowing that these women also survived the unthinkable. Um, at the time, I actually worked for one of the large healthcare payer systems in the country. And I was lucky enough to be able to be granted a full maternity leave, even though Aubrey was not here, which Seems like a gift. However, that should be something that's available to everybody. And unfortunately, it is not. One day, about three months after my loss, we I was getting ready to head back to work. Um, I was having a relatively good day. And I opened my mailbox and I got a bill from the hospital, from my employer, who was my insurance company. And on it, it said fetal demise with a dollar amount next to it. Um, because of course, Aubrey was still born. Like no labor and delivery is free as much as it should be. But that was the last thing that I was thinking of. And the way that that phrase fetal demise triggered me, it was like an uproar. It was like the first point when I was like, so mad instead of sad. And I was like, I am not paying this bill. So I get on the phone. I call the insurance company. I get through the IVR. I fight back and forth with them, you know, get to a place where finally they said, okay, we will absolve these bills. I was oh. like, this is amazing. I go to one of my support groups about four or five days after that and shared with everybody what it was that I did. And the moms were like, oh my God, please help me. So many moms were on payment plans, paying for their hospital stays. Um, one mom in particular was charged for an ambulance ride that was deemed non-emergent from the doctor's office where she learned that her daughter no longer was alive to the hospital to deliver. And again, it just really enraged me. So I was like, yeah, no problem. One by one, we went through the list. I worked with everybody and feeling like I was helping these moms was the fire, the fuel that I needed. And it was then that I was like, you know what? I'm going to survive and Aubrey's life is going to make a difference on people. And this is probably how it's going to happen. 
So after helping out four or five families um, between, this was at the end of 2020, early 2021, I decided that I wanted to form a corporation called Aubrey's Advocate. And originally my premise was that I would help you advocate, help families advocate against these labor and delivery bills for your babies. All while also sharing my story, creating awareness and also community support for anybody else in my circle, anybody in my friends circles who have been touched by child loss, who just wanted to talk about it. I didn't want to feel like I needed to be embarrassed and I didn't want anybody else to feel embarrassed. Um, Aubrey's advocate the first year I was able to support nine families, um, cut down their labor and delivery bills where applicable. Sometimes when there were situations where the insurance companies could not absolve the bills, I would go to the family's employers and ask for assistance that way. I worked directly with the hospitals as well, looking for grants and looking for resolution opportunities. And at the end of the day, my goal was just to take all of the administrative burden of having a stillbirth and managing it for these families. That's incredible. Who knew that was even a thing? Like, but what an amazing thing to do for a family. And you, they don't even think that it's coming, you know? And I work in health insurance. And so I knew kind of the back end of it. And I was like, this is a skill that I can bring to others in honor of my daughter. And if I can make their grief one ounce lighter, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And it is a skill, like the whole insurance. Thing. <laughs> we don't have that skill. The <laughs> jargon. I know it's so upsetting that in a country like the United States, People cannot, this healthcare system is so fragmented that most people don't even know how to open their bills. And if it's worth paying so many times, you just get, here's your EOB with a dollar amount, but you don't have to pay it. Like these things are confusing. And when you're focusing on healing, anything else goes out the window. Um, one of the moms that I helped from the beginning actually was a one of my first moms that I helped was somebody who told me that she was on a payment plan for $18,000, had been on this payment plan for almost two years now for the death of her child. And she was like, we just pay it because the hospital kept calling to balance bill and I couldn't take it anymore. How heartbreaking is that? She said at all hours of the night, she was getting calls. This is not a local mom, but I said, nobody should have to deal with that. It's salt in the wound of everything. One of the really beautiful things that ended up happening as I was working with all these moms is that I became friends with them all. And through talking with everybody, they kind of, I felt as though they were often looking to me as sort of a grief mentor or a stillbirth survivor mentor. And everybody said the same thing, that the loneliness and the isolation that you feel afterwards is just the debilitatingness of it because your life is so different and your life looks so different than all of the other people you're surrounded with who brought their babies home from the hospital, who get to still raise their babies together. And it is so incredibly painful. And the only people who can understand that are other moms who have been through it. 
Sorry. <laughs> and what describe what it was like, uh, you know, for those who didn't know and knew you were pregnant, knew the baby was due soon and see you afterwards. That was something that I also struggled with entirely because as a society, we are told to just not bring up sad things. So there were many people who really just we never heard from. There were many people who said, oh, you're young. Life will go on. You know, lucky you. You'll have more children. Um, and then there were also a lot of people in our lives who were truly there for us and knew what to do, knew how to sit with you in silence, knew how to say this should not have happened knew how to be sensitive about anniversaries and dates. But a lot of it really was the fact that I took it upon myself to tell people what I needed and to share how I wanted to be supported. And I realized through doing that as well, that I was making it known that this is not something that needs to be embarrassed about or hidden or anything of the sort. Um, but so through the group of moms that I started mentoring and helping, my phone would be blowing up nonstop with these moms. Group chats, me introducing one lost mom to another lost mom, um, people hearing about me through other people who they needed to sit, help with things or just wanted to connect. And so I was inspired from those conversations and relationships to then start my own support group which is the second facet of Aubrey's Advocate. So I run a support group alongside of one of my fellow lost moms. Um, she actually focuses, she herself experienced a um, fetal diagnosis while pregnant, and then her daughter passed away 32 minutes after being born. She does a lot with NICU families, and we have teamed up we host our light after loss support groups four times a year. It's an eight week program. We look for moms who have moms specific. We have um, look for moms who have experienced a loss within the last six months. And we have a small group of about eight to 10 moms for each session. And we focus on eight weeks of preparing ourselves to re-enter society following our loss. So finding people who get it when you have to go back to work and somebody says something that triggers you, who am I going to contact instead of having a breakdown right here? I can text a friend, um, preparing responses for if we're in the workplace and somebody says, how many kids do you have prepare just a canned answer working on triggers and how to take care of ourselves when we're feeling triggered, how to find a safe place how safe ways to get the anxiety out. But above all, our support group really focuses on living our life after loss because life will go on. We are different people, but there are still good things that are around us and still good things that will come. Right. Um, light after really, loss. I really think there should be some kind of course in high school about this, about you know, because still I'm just like, oh God, don't say the wrong thing. You know, yeah. when I go to a funeral and, of course. I, you know, like 
you don't want to hurt the person any more than they're hurting. And right. like, how, how, like, let people know. How do we know? How do we you know? I'm always afraid to cry in front of that person. And because I think it's going to upset them even more that I'm crying. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be supporting you. And here I am. I'm a big crier and I'm crying. And I'm, am I upsetting that person more? And and I think with child loss and infant, like, I, I just don't know. I would be that person who wouldn't know what I would just feed you. I wouldn't know what else to do. Um, I wouldn't know what to say to you. And like, and that's why I think some people, like you said, are just like, I don't know what to do. Yes, of course. Say anything. And it's, and it breaks my heart to not have to have the ability to say to somebody, I'm sorry. And, and, and not be so upset and upset them that I'm upset. And then I feel like an idiot. Cause I upset you and you're upset. And now I'm, it's like, Oh, so what do we do? We just ignore it. Right. Which isn't the right thing to do. Never be scared to tell them that you're sorry to use their loved ones by name. You said that you feel like you're crying. You're going to make them crying. They're already crying. Right. They're already crying. People think that up oh, by me bringing up your daughter, that's going to remind you of what happened. Uh, I live in this space. This is, I am never not reminded. And hearing someone else remember her is the biggest gift that anyone can give me. Yeah. And I exactly like you said, that. we are in a society that does not teach us to acknowledge the sad things and how to support others. It's almost like a stigma. There's a stigma of child loss. And I really hope to sh help shatter it. Um, so after we did started our first few support groups and everything was been going wonderfully, I had a lot of people that have been reaching out, asking me for things like resources, um, asking me to speak on different panels about my own story, about my daughter, about my own healing journey, helping um, really just educate our society, like we said, and doing a lot of community advocacy and letting, just raising awareness for the fact that one in four women has had a miscarriage, one in six women will deal with an infertility. One in eight women will have a loss. And those are numbers that means that every, this has impacted everybody around us. So why aren't we talking about it more? So through that, we then develop our third pillar of Aubrey's Advocate, which is our community support and advocacy. Um, and that is how, where I look to partner with other local organizations to bring this education to them, um, whether that be through different events that we host. Aubrey's Advocate hosts our big annual fundraising event each year is called Aerobics for Aubrey. And it is every April and it is an all levels positive day of fitness outside where we say that we are sweating for the babies who we did not get to bring home from the hospital. Um, each year we've had over 150 participants and we offer a space when sharing what our cause is for anybody who has been impacted by perinatal loss to say the names of their angels that they've been impacted. When I tell you the first year was near silent the second year, we started to hear a few people say different babies' names, et cetera, or moms that were impacted. Last year, our third year, it was almost a roar from the community of people saying their own names, their children's names, their 
grandchildren, nieces, nephews, anything. And it was just really a moment that proved to me, wow, this is so much bigger than just Aubrey. Yeah. Um, amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. You've only, this has only been four years. I say my purpose out of pain. Absolutely. Um, and then through our fundraising event, aerobics for Aubrey last year and the last few years, we have actually been able to start raising some funds and we are now able to also offer a financial arm to the families that we are assisting with their bills. And we can now offer up to $1,000 towards the hospital labor and delivery bills for a full-term stillbirth for families who we are unable to get their bills resolved. So that's our latest addition. Can I ask you how much those bills typically are? Yeah, I mean, so I have seen bills depending on the month of the year that a baby is born, of course, with insurance premiums, anything from $20,000 down to even just $700 that are left over that they are unable to get covered. But that $700 can be $700 of extra pain. Like, why am I paying this to the hospital? Why am I not taking this and paying for a self-care, something to make myself feel better, to mental health, to get to a therapist, anything of the sort. Yeah. Ugh, that's horrible. Um, that I was clueless about that until I read yeah. your story. Like there's another hidden thing. <laughs> hidden thing. No one's talking about. Absolutely. Uh, so that's wonderful. So you have the financial assistance and I think you're going to get more funding. I don't think it's going to be long. <laughs> And we are on, the, we are growing exponentially each year. So yes, yeah, so we are essentially three tiers. I say we have our financial benefits and financial assistance. And then we have our peer support, which is my support groups and um, my mentor service that I offer, which is really just one-on-one, -on -one, a friend, a call, a phone, a friend program. Um, and then we also have our third branch, which is our community and community advocacy and support. And that is through our community awareness, also a lot of provider trainings on empathy training, how to support families when they're experiencing this, both when they're in the hospital, as well as what is the proper protocol to follow up with them afterwards. A lot of moms who I've met um, throughout my own journey shared that after they left the hospital, they never heard from the doctors again. They never heard from the nurses again. And how invalidating. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. That's where I think, especially in your story of that, like the person in the ultrasound and the doctor saying, okay, well, that's that. So like, and I understand just, just have a smidge of empathy in the situation and having that ability to understand this is just an unbelievable loss. And to just say oh well, it's not emergent whenever you get there <laughs> yeah like, absolutely and I feel like that is at no one's fault as much as I wanted to be angry at the doctors at the ultrasound tech what happened to Aubrey was out of everybody's control and the way that people that the healthcare teams responded to me was how they were trained to respond to me so there really is a gap when it comes to that empathy aspect um, for loss and the death of a, of a baby is so different than the death of somebody who's been struggling with cancer, somebody who lived a full life. The empathy that these families need is completely different. 
Very much so. Very much so. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine had a loss and, you know, she was saying to me, then there's the next Mac in the face. She's like, my milk comes in on day three and I, my breasts are exploding and I'm like, how dare my body just do this. Right. So how would your, your, your baby is supposed to be here. Like that is just almost further proof that your body did everything right. And that you are still a mother, but how heartbreaking exactly it's salt in the wound almost. Yeah. I, so some families that we work with, they choose to pump and donate their milk and it sort of, uh, helps them to heal that they're helping other sick babies who may need the milk and, you know, the other families, just want to get rid of this as soon as possible. And we do our best to get that done. Um, Did anyone talk to you about that in the hospital at all? After you at Aubrey? So not that I remember, but that hospital stay, I even, like I said, four years out, I feel like I'm still watching a stranger live through the worst day of a nightmare. And I, there are times when I'm like, wow, that actually was me. But there are so many times, and I think it's definitely a protection, like our our bodies want to protect us as much as we can, that I don't remember every detail. Yeah. um, Having that ability. What's that? I was going to say, but I do know, so with Aubrey, my milk did come in three days later. Um, Since she was a C-section, it was delayed, which I, you know, and uh, which was expected. And I chose to dry it up. I used cabbage leaves and tight sports bra and Sudafed. And I was grateful to do that. Did you just Google it? No, I actually had friends who got to breastfeed. Um, and then some who chose to stop, who gave me their insight, but I had to ask them for that information. That was not something that was just readily available because like we said, I wasn't even thinking that my milk would come in. That was the least of my worries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it would have been nice if someone from the hospital or from your doctor's office called and said, Hey, it's day three. You may start experiencing this. This is, there's some ways to handle it, you know? Um, I also think looking back, you know, there's so many, you make these decisions with you're blindfolded, you have no idea. And so many decisions I wish I made differently. However, I am fully in belief that every decision my husband and I made was the right one for us at the time. Absolutely. But I have a friend, a lost mom friend who actually pumped just one bottle following her baby and then had that milk made into a ring that she now wears in honor of her son. How beautiful. If I had known that was an option, maybe that would have been something I would have loved to consider. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we all back up we want to do differently. (laughs) Um, What was the other question I had for her? Shoot, I'm sorry. So I'm just curious, does the Breastfeeding Resource Center, do you have, um, this could be something if you had pamphlets available for families who did experience a loss about what to expect and what their options are relating to breastfeeding, that maybe it could just be something they receive while in the hospital while reviewing all of their options. 
Yeah, you probably did get something, but I'm go, sure goes through the piles of paper. Yeah. So there right. is, yeah, um, yeah, that's the difficult part. Is but you, you don't remember. Someone could have come in and discussed it with you, and you don't have a recollection of it. It was probably a pamphlet and a big pile of papers, but it's hard um, to know how to get the information to the people. Of course, and uh, you know something that I do feel I was so blessed for in my experience after with my loss is that the, the staff at Abington, the doctors, the nurses, they truly did everything that they could for me. They wanted to support me so much. I did not feel like a leper when I was on the floor. They made it a point to keep me away from a lot of the other, the rest of the floor. Um, I never once heard a baby cry. Every single doctor and nurse who came in knew my story. Many of them who were not even taking care of me popped in to let me know that they were so sorry. We had a nurse from the NICU who was Aubrey's nurse, which to me meant so much. Having her in the OR when I delivered, knowing that even though my daughter was not alive, she was still going to be treated with dignity. They washed her. They clothed her, they gave her a hat, they brought her over. That nurse brought us a baby blanket the next day. I truly felt incredibly supported in the best way that I could have. Yeah. Um, but not a lot of people have that same experience as I did. And also a lot of, you wanna wake up and leave. Like I didn't want, you know, you don't know what to do. You are truly living in a time warp. Did you stay? the full three days that people I did um not a full three days so we got Aubrey was born at 6 8 p.m on Tuesday September 29th and I we came home from the hospital that Thursday morning I would have come home earlier obviously if I was able to but unfortunately because of the c-section I did have to somewhat recover but I was up moving the next morning I was like this is not my life I want to get out of here. I don't even want to remember that this happened. And I want to just keep, keep it moving. And then I left the hospital in a wheelchair with the box of memory items. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, how do I live? How, how am I going to survive? But I hope to show to other families who experience something similar that you will survive. It is, you will get through every dark day. There will be bright days ahead. And grief is so not linear. Motherhood is not linear. You are still a mom. And any way that you want to honor your child, honor your motherhood, support others experiencing something similar, I encourage you to do it because I really have found a lot of healing through it. Um, that's wonderful. Who, what was the best support that you had once you got home? So I would, I'm so blessed because I have such a close knit family, a lot of women in my family as well. Um, many of whom have experienced their own losses who were able to just come and understand the, like, come to my house with a coffee and talk about a TV show who I felt like they weren't uncomfortable to be around me. And then I had a friend of a friend 
who I now run my support group with, Jody, who unfortunately experienced her own child loss four years prior to mine. And she reached out to me when I was in the hospital, in the hospital bed, saying, I know exactly how you feel. Talk to me. And I felt like she was almost my North Star because yeah. I was able to see she still has this beautiful life. She has other children. I will get that as well. So people who could relate to me and then also the people who just weren't, didn't make me feel like I was a different person. Right. And I understand you have a new man in your life. <laughs> I do. He's one now, Aubrey's brother, crew. Um, he, thank you, crew Gregory Shapiro. He was born January 17th, 2023 in the exact same OR that we got to meet his sister, Aubrey. So full circle moment. And I would have never gone back to Abington Hospital if I didn't truly believe in the staff and support that we received when we delivered Aubrey. And like I said, we are proud to be a part of the Abington Hospital family. Um, in honor of Aubrey's second birthday, we actually donated a special room to Abington Hospital Labor and Delivery. Uh, it is the stillbirth suite. It's called the Aubrey Gray Shapiro birthing room. Um, it is room 412, which is crazy because she was four pounds, 12 ounces when she was born. What another sign. Yeah. And this room is reserved for families who will be delivering a baby that they know does not have a heart. Oh, that's heartbeat. Amazing. It's stocked with memory making kits. Um, it has a comfortable bed for the non-birthing parent as well. And truly just anything that a family needs during their time at the hospital that they want to spend with their child before they leave. Um, and everything is in that room. And we hope that it's just able to provide not only a safe space for those families, but also a reminder that others have gone through what they are experiencing. And again, they are not alone. And we are here as a community and we want to support them however we can. That's wonderful. Do you, do they have the ability, the hospitals be at Abington or whatever, do they have the ability to, can, I know with HIPAA and that whole situation, like, do they have the ability to call you and say, we have a mom, we have somebody who needs this, needs this support. Do they have, like, do they have that ability to connect you? Like you said, laying in that bed day two, having your friend, someone who you don't even know, call you and say, I've been through this. I get it. Like, do they have, do you have that ability at this point to, to talk to these families almost immediately? So there, the option to contact me via text is always available to families. The moment that they enter the hospital, um, Abington has my I call them, they're my mentor cards. Um, and it just says, Julie Shapiro, lost mom, mom to Aubrey Ray, my phone number on it. And something that I hope to put together in the future would be maybe like a handwritten letter to any family who delivers in the Aubrey Ray suite. Um, I'm always available. Not many have reached out to me yet, but I would encourage anybody whoever finds himself in that place, in this place, to ask the hospital staff, is there somebody who you can direct me to as a friend? Yeah. A, a text, just a text, something, just somebody to remind you that 
yes, this is your life. You are not alone. Yeah. 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 Well, your story is so amazing. Um, and to turn this into this helpful organization, um, it, uh, you're a wonderful person. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> I appreciate it. I say, I, you know, the birth and death of Aubrey has changed me in so many ways, but I am so proud to be her mom. And I'm so proud of the path that this, her life has led me on. And I know that her name will never be forgotten because of it. Yeah. And that brings me pride. I think she's pretty proud of you when she sees Thank you. Pretty amazing. We get all the signs. So I do, I know it as well. I know it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to give your um, website or other yeah. information so people can gather? Thank you. Yes. So you can find more about um, our organization and the support services that we offer at aubreysadvocate.com. So that's A-U-B-R-E-Y-S-A-D-V-O-C-A-T-E.com. So it's not plural. Um, I, you can also find us on Instagram, um, also at Aubrey's Advocate, and any moms, dads, grandparents who are impacted by any type of perinatal loss, please know that you are not alone, that there are others who have been in your court before. We stand with you. We will help you get through this, and your babies will never be forgotten. I love that you include grandparents because I think they're sometimes, and fathers also, I, but Absolutely. grandparents and, and aunts and uncles and people who just, you don't, you're just thinking of mom and dad and, and this situation, but grandparents, it's a, obviously a loss for them. And they're looking at their child that they love has had this unimaginable loss. So it's, I love that you include them in your, your mission of support. Thank you. And friends, family, even if anybody, even if you just want to know something on our website is ways to support families, experience, loved ones experiencing this by researching that and by taking the time to even try to determine the best way to support somebody in your life experiencing this type of a loss, that is a bigger gift than you can ever imagine. And it does not go unseen and unnoticed. Well, thank you so much for thank joining you. us today and thank you for everything you do. And we will definitely utilize what you're, what you're offering to families if we come across someone who yeah, needs it. Very much. Thank you so much. So for Colette and Louisa, this is the Feeding Frenzy. Thank you so much. B-R-C.